So today's Bible reading is from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. And I'm reading from NIV. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our, in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we, now, we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Amen. So uh, if you're new or visiting, uh, I'd love to add my welcome uh, to Jetty's welcome and the others. Um, we uh, here at Grace International do work systematically um, through books of the Bible. And so we've been working through Romans for a little while now, and, and we'll talk about that. So if you have a Bible handy, it's really great to read along uh, as, as I preach today, uh, just so you can make sure as well that uh, I'm not saying anything crazy that's not there. Uh, and and uh, it, it, the great thing about Christianity is, is that we have a belief where we want to ask questions and we want to uh, look into the text ourselves. So do have your Bible open. Um, as, as we start, um, I was also thinking about uh, dating relationships. And dating relationships are a funny thing, really. Um, you start off at the beginning with all these hormones going wild and you're like, this person is just perfect. Ah, uh, there is nothing wrong with this person. Of course, you know, Alice is actually perfect. Um, but, you know, but other people. So I'm, 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 this is what I hear other people say. And, and, you, and you start thinking, you know, I actually don't deserve such a great friend. You know, I, I don't deserve uh, to deserve this person. But with time, what happens is those hormones start wearing off. And you start seeing the faults in the other person and the other person starts seeing those faults in you. And, and so we, we've got two temptations at that point. At that point, we can start really working for the relationship and going, okay, I need to earn. I need to earn that love of that person. I need to work hard. Or we might sort of think, well, you know, I'm, I'm good enough. I, 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 don't need to, I don't need to do anything. Now, Sometimes we can be a bit like this with our relationship with God. When we first become Christian, we feel grace. We think about how wonderful it is to be forgiven for all of our sins. But with time, we start thinking that maybe faith is not enough. Maybe I should be doing things to earn God's love. 
what if God came back and it was one of my bad days? What if it was one of those days where I haven't read any Bible and I haven't prayed today and, you know, I was a little bit short with my wife and maybe I said something to the kids that wasn't really nice? What if Jesus came back on one of those days? Would he say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or would he say, you know, today, I'm, I'm sorry, you weren't good enough today. And we can start thinking, thinking that way. Thankfully, Romans answers these doubts. For in chapter 5 of Romans, we see how God freely gives us the gift of peace and hope. Through the gift of Jesus' sacrifice, with the gift of reconciling us to God, made sure through the gift of Jesus' resurrection. So how do you feel about God every day? Do you actually love God? Luther said that in the beginning he hated God because he thought, how can this God who demands perfection and judges us on the smallest imperfection be actually good? He said that he, it was not until he truly understood the gospel by reading Romans that he felt that he had been transported as to the very gates of paradise. So let's recap our journey so far in Romans so we too can make it to those gates of paradise. In chapter 1, you might remember that we saw how all humanity sees God in nature, but we exchange God for idols, and we're judged for that. In chapter 2, we saw how God's wrath is revealed and how he hands us over to what we actually think we want. We saw how we all come under God's judgment. There are no exceptions and there is no preferential treatment for anyone. Chapter 3 finally depressed us by saying no one is righteous, no one is good, because we are all under God's judgment. But then finally, halfway through chapter 3, we had a glimmer of light and we had some really good news. A righteousness of God that is revealed through Jesus Christ where Jetty presented, uh, if you might remember, three different images. Firstly, the language of a law court, where the judge declares us right. The penalty has been paid. We are guilty, but our penalty has been paid. Secondly, we saw temple language, where we become right with God through Jesus' sacrifice. And thirdly, the language of the slave market, where Jesus has paid for our freedom. Jesus has redeemed us. And so in chapter 4, we saw that we are right, right with God because of our faith. God credits to us a righteousness that we don't deserve. However, a problem arises for us uh, is at this point in Romans, we start getting impatient. We've had firstly three chapters telling us how bad we are and how imperfect we are and how we don't reach God's standards. And we ask, when will we get the good news? And then we get the good news in chapter 3 about justification. But then we cry out, but what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Paul deliberately so far has not said anything about what we should be doing. Not until chapter 6, verse 11, will we get what we need to be doing. And then it's actually about, about what we should be thinking, not doing. 
You see, in chapter 5, God freely gives us the gift of peace and hope through the gift of Jesus' sacrifice and the gift of reconciliation made sure through Jesus' resurrection. So let's turn to chapter 5, verse 1 now. Therefore, all of that, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Justified through faith is what we saw in the example of Abraham and David over the past couple of weeks. We can think of faith as the opposite of sin. I know, we tend to think sin is doing a bad thing, and so the opposite is doing a good thing. But really, sin is not trusting in God, whereas faith is the opposite. Faith is actually trusting in God, depending on God. In verse 1, we see how this peace has now been established between us and God. Now, what is peace? Peace is victory and harmony. There is no real peace after a war. When you need to build trenches or walls, that's not peace. You know, some may say that Latvia has been at peace with Russia since 91. But the lack of hostilities does not indicate peace. The very fact that we are now ra putting razor wire and uh, building trenches between Russia and Belarus means that there is no real peace. Peace is when you don't need a fence because there is such harmony between both neighbours that you don't even need to show where the boundary is. This is what's encompassed by the Jewish word shalom. Now look at verse 1 and we see now. It's present tense. We can have this kind of peace with God now because Jesus has won that for us. He has brought us into the very presence of God, reconciliation, bringing harmony where there was once disagreement. Christianity is about being in a relationship and peace with God. It's not about being good enough. Paul has taken several chapters to show us that we can't be good enough on our own merits. Non-Christians often think they're good enough, but as Christians, we realize we're not good enough. But this has been resolved by Jesus. So not only has my past been dealt with, but I have a hope for the future, a certain hope for the future, and this is grace, an absolute undeserved gift from God, a God that we can boast in, a gift that we can boast in, a God in whom we truly feel hope that we will share with in the future. So what does that hope exactly look like? If you're really quick at flicking in the Bible, flick to the last book of the Bible, uh, the book of Revelation. And in chapter 21 of Revelation, verses 2 to 4, we read, Revelation 21, 2 to 4. 
I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Hope like this can carry us through anything. Verse 3, back in chapter 5. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And this hope, this certain expectation, carries us in sufferings because we know suffering is temporary. This is not our home. Our hope is in our relationship with God. I remember reading an interview with an author who looked at um, uh, the survivors of a Jewish holocaust and he was fascinated with what kept people going in the darkness. He found that it wasn't fitness, it wasn't intelligence, it wasn't education, but it was hope. It was hope to see a loved one again the hope to finish a PhD, the hope to travel to that holiday place that they'd always talked about. Hope. But we have a greater hope than all of these. We have a certain expectation of a perfect relationship of God bought by Jesus' blood. This is the hope that helps us to persevere through unspeakable pain. It builds our character as we are sanctified by God because you don't grow muscles in a lukewarm bath. And we become more like our hero and saviour, Jesus, as we go through life. We understand Christ better and we understand our Heavenly Father better. We even grow in this hope. So we do not find joy that suffering exists, but in suffering we can have hope. For suffering produces perseverance. It's a focus that helps us to realign what our priorities are in life. This leads to character, which is a knowledge of us being tested. And this, verse 3, leads to further hope. One of the training exercises that the SAS do, an elite British army unit, is they give the, the soldiers uh, full heavy packs and they make them walk-run walk, uh, walk for 40 kilometres. And when they get to the end, there's a truck which will take them back to the base and they start taking off their packs and start getting ready. But just as, about, as, as, as they are about to climb onto the truck, the truck drives off and they tell them, you have to walk another 40, uh, 40 kilometres. It's a task designed to break the will of the weak. But it also builds trust. It builds perseverance. It builds character. And it builds hope 
in yourself, your fellow soldier, and your officers. Now, God doesn't try to trick us like the SAS do, but he lovingly helps us to build perseverance, character, and hope. And unlike the SAS, God is with us in that journey. And God is there at the end, waiting with his open and loving arms. So in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 10 to 11, we read, Our parents disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. What do you grow closer to in your suffering? Do you grow closer to a knowledge that you can do it? Or do you grow closer to your God, your creator and your saviour? This means that we can glory in our sufferings. The ESV translates it, we can even boast in our sufferings because God is changing us as he carries us through our suffering with hope. And so we have a gift of peace and hope in the, in the past because we know we are forgiven of our past sins. We have the gift of peace and hope in the present because we have hope in our suffering. And we have the gift of peace and hope in the future because we have a certainty in the relationship with God our Father. But how do we know we can actually trust God? Verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love is sealed in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who allows us to hear God's voice in our suffering. We are not alone. C.S. Lewis talks about the idea that God whispers to us in the everyday, but God shouts to us in our suffering. In the good old days, you tuned your radio with this really big knob on the side and, and you moved it around and it helped you to get right onto the station. The Holy Spirit is this dial. It helps us to tune into station God. Notice also verse 5, we have the word poured. It's not a little drop or a whiff of God's love that he puts in our hearts. But God generously pours love into our hearts. He's not like the parent who to the toddler puts in a tiny, tiny bit of soft drink so the child doesn't get too much. God's like the fun uncle that fills that glass up right up to the brim and sends the child crazy. <laughs> Interestingly, you may have also noticed when Nissi was reading our section in chapter 5 that we see all three persons of the Trinity in this section. We see the Father, we see Jesus, and we see the Holy Spirit but file that away for another sermon. So if we don't really understand grace and God's gift, it leads us to have a flimsy assurance of our own faith and our own salvation. 
The Holy Spirit reminds us, if you are a Christian, you are a perfect one. Because it is not about what you do, but it is all about what Jesus did. Every day, preach that gospel to yourself. Because, because our parents, to some extent, and society will always preach a gospel of works. So remind yourself that God freely gives us the gift of peace and hope, and we receive this gift through the gift of Jesus' sacrifice, made sure through Jesus' resurrection. Verse 6. You see, just at the right time, while we were still powerless... Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In Australia, and I don't know how it is uh, in, in different places where people come from, there is an embarrassing moment where kids choose teams. And basically how it works in Australia is, uh, is you choose two captains first. Generally, they're either the two talented, most talented players or the two popular kids. And everyone else stands against the wall and they take turns in choosing someone for their team. And, and it starts off something like this. Okay, uh, I'll take John because he's really good at basketball. Oh, you took Tim. Oh, I wanted to take Tim. Okay, I'll take Tom because Tom's really tall. And this goes on and on and on until you're left with two or three kids on the wall. And then it changes. It changes to something like, uh, no, you, you take the Butterfingers. You, you have them on your team. No, 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 no. That's all right. That's all right. You have them on your team. I, I want you to have more of an advantage. You take them. And no one wants to take these kids. Remember, in Romans chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, we learnt that we're that smelly kid. We're that kid left on the fence. But Captain Jesus, he's, he's like, okay, I'll take the smelly kid. But Jesus, that kid's a loser. They're, they're, they're powerless. They have nothing. Why would you want to take them? Really, Jesus, I hope, I, I hope you know what you're doing. You see, we are that smelly kid. Now, I need to talk especially to the guys here because most ladies look in the mirror and they see their own blemishes. But you know, Jesus cho chooses you despite your blemishes. But guys, when guys look in the mirror, they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I mean, I mean, I understand not every, not all guys are international models like me. And just in case you're wondering, it is all natural, okay? It's all natural. But guys actually sometimes delude themselves in this. But we need to be reminded, guys, unfortunately, we're the smelly kid left on the fence. But you know what? Jesus chooses us no matter how much smelly or no matter how much we can't play. And he changes us. He changes us to be from the smelly kid to be like the Michael, Michael Jordan on the team. 
So yet not only through the gift of Jesus' death do we receive the gift of peace and hope, we have a third gift here, the gift of reconciliation, made sure through the gift of Jesus' resurrection. For if he loved us while we were still sinners, how much more now that we are reconciled with God? But how do we know we will make it to the end? How do we know we will actually make it to God's loving arms? Verse 9. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? An Australian preacher, David Cook, explains that many in the world think you are actually justified in your death. When you die, you go to God and he says something like, oh, you know what, you're a good enough bloke. Yeah, in you come. You know, I've got a few shrimps on the barbie. It'll be okay. Just follow the light and become one with the universe. We see this when celebrities and artists die. Sometimes, sometimes they may have had horrible lives. They may have, may have done horrible things. But as soon as they die... You can't say a bad word about them. But we say things like, oh, you know, they're looking down on you. Or, you know, it's like, it's like they're now the angel on your shoulder. You know, they'll help you. But can you see how offensive this actually is to Jesus? Why should he have died for your sins if God can just turn around and go, that's all right, you just come in. Don't worry about it. We have been justified only by the gift of Jesus' blood on our behalf. And so because of that, how much more will we now be saved from God's wrath? So we have peace and hope in verse 1. We have peace with God now. And we can rejoice in this now as we look forward to our heavenly Father wiping away our tears in heaven. So not only can we look forward to death and being with our Father because of our hope and peace, I can even rejoice in the pain and suffering in the present. When I was small, there were only five TV channels. I know for some people it's really hard to believe, but there were only five channels on the television. And so sometimes when you're a kid and there's nothing to do, you're forced to choose something out of these five channels. And one of these things was this program called The New Price is Right. I don't know if anyone knows this, but let me explain how this New Price is Right works. Basically, contestants come to the end, and at the end they get 12 different items and they have to order them from the cheapest item to the most expensive item. And if they get the order totally correct they get to keep the whole lot. Now, how it works is these items are slowly revealed. And as they're revealed, these people already are imagining how they're going to own these items. So there might be like a stereo. Like that's, um, it's like a sound bar with, with a phone. Um, and, and the people are like shaking. Oh, a stereo. Wow, that's great. And the next thing might be 
and, and, and wait, there's a luxury car and the person's like shaking and they're like shouting like a luxury car. And you know what? And then there's a three-month holiday around the world. Go anywhere, expenses paid for six people. And the person is just going off and they're crying and the camera's coming in on the tears. And then a new home in a really great suburb and the person's just going off. You see... We don't have to actually win a competition to get our gifts from chapter 5. Because you know what? We've got the gift of peace and hope. That's really cool. And you know what? We've also received the gift of Jesus' death and his blood, which has washed us clean. Like, whoa! But wait, there's more. There's the gift of reconciliation and the resurrection of Jesus. It's like, whoa! And we don't have to win any competition. Verse 10. For if, while we were still God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? As a parent, you love your kids a lot. You carry them as babies and you have no idea when they have no idea what you what they want and they are screaming and they are shouting and and you're doing the rocking and you're and you're singing to them and you're praying over them and you hope that God will bless them in their adulthood. When they're toddlers, they reach a point where they think they can earn your love back. I I used to hate Father's Day because the kids would make breakfast. Um, and, and, and generally breakfast in bed would be burnt toast with every jam and marmalade and Nutella onto the, onto the bread thicker than like a 1970s shag rug. And they bring this to you in, in bread with such pride and such appreciation. But I remember once a child saying, um, do you think I can actually watch television more today? Because I made you breakfast today. <laughs> You see, we've been reconciled with God. Paul has been reminding us through the second half of chapter 3 and 4 that we can't earn our way there. Our burnt toast and jam just doesn't cut it. It's not good enough. But then what do we need to do, Andre? Paul says, nothing. We are saved through faith in the death of Jesus. Not only do we have peace without borders and fences, we have been reconciled to Jesus through him dying on the cross. Reconciled meaning enemies have been brought together. God, our enemy, now our adopted father. But on top of that, we have assurance because Jesus was brought back from the dead. But what do I have to do Paul shouts back at us, nothing. Because not only have we been saved from God's wrath by Jesus' blood, how much more are we saved from our own sin, from our own natural unrighteousness by Jesus' resurrection and life? God brought Jesus back from the dead. He didn't stay dead. If God can do that, God can also raise us back to life. Not because we're good enough, 
but because we are washed clean by Jesus. Jesus is at God's right hand now, advocating for us. When the devil comes to God to accuse us and he says, do you, God, see what your sheep did? Did you hear what your little sheep said? Jesus is right there. He will say, but I died for them. They are washed clean. That sin does not exist anymore. They are righteous in my father's eyes because of the cross. And God will look at us and see us clothed in Jesus's righteousness. Yeah, okay, I know all that, but what should I do? Should I say some special prayer five times? Should I go to some special Christian course or conference? What should I do? Verse 11, not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. If you want to do something, my dear friends, boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have received reconciliation. Remember, we can't do the impossible and perfect ourselves. But we have received reconciliation because Jesus washed me white and made me look good. And because God pours out his love into my heart and works on my character by building perseverance and hope, because Jesus, what Jesus did gives me hope for when I die. For Jesus chose me when I was the smelly kid. If you want to do something, boast in Jesus. Boast in the grace he has shown you. Boast in our God, creator of the universe, who humbled himself to die the death that we should have died, who was humiliated on the cross that we may live who gave his life so that we may not be slaves to sin, who was raised from the dead so that we too may be raised. Remember that when you are tempted to boast in your burnt toast. Jesus has done all the work so that we don't have to do anything for our salvation. And so we read, verse 1, we have peace and hope through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 6, when we were powerless, Christ died for us. Verse 8, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9, Jesus justifies us by his blood. Verse 10 and 11, we are reconciled to God through his blood. And so Paul calls us repeatedly in this passage to rejoice. Verse 2, rejoice in the hope of glory of God. Verse 3, rejoice in suffering. Verse 11, rejoice in God whose wrath has been averted and now we can be reconciled. For we have faith, we have trust, we believe in a God who always keeps his promises. So do you have the gift of peace and hope? Have you accepted the gift of Jesus' cleansing blood? Are you living with the gift of reconciliation made sure by the risen and resurrected Jesus, the one who loved you while you were a sinner, the resurrected Jesus that can bring you 
peace with God and eternal hope. Do you want this peace and hope? Romans tells us all you need to do is live by faith. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your gifts of peace and hope, which you have lavished so freely on us. Thank you that you pour out your love into our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Thank you that Jesus died our death so that we may be made right with you. And thank you for your reconciliation made sure by Jesus' resurrection that gives us certainty in your promises. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.